Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're having a wonderful day. I am excited to share today's conversation with you. It is a man up special here on the Unpacking It podcast. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that we did a big conference this summer called Man Up Charlotte. And it was just an incredible event. So many wonderful speakers and, and, and people just a part of it and, and God moved in a lot of different ways. But, but one of the panels that we did was with former Panthers Jericho Cotri and Mike Tolbert along with Josh Meadows, who's doing some incredible work here in Charlotte. And so I thought you as a, an, an Unpacking It listener and, and you enjoy you know, hearing a lot of the, the, the conversations that we have with, with different athletes, I thought you'd appreciate this this panel that we had at Man Up. And so you've heard Jericho Cotri on this show before. Uh, he's been a, a guest a couple times. I, I think you will be encouraged by this conversation. We, we talk about you know what it looks like to be raised without a dad and what does it mean for all of us to step into that when there are kids in our communities that don't have a dad and we can step in and, and be that that father figure, that role model, that mentor uh, for them. And so that's that's the, a lot of what the conversation was about, and and just some some cool insights from from all three of these guys. And and again, I think you'll be uh, encouraged and definitely inspired uh, by what each of them had to say. So let's jump in. It's former Carolina Panther wide receiver Jericho Cotri. Jericho also played for the Jets and the Steelers. Played his college football at NC State. And then Mike Tolbert, uh, a, a very successful fullback in the NFL, was with the Chargers and then the Panthers. And I think he spent like one year with the Bills uh, at the very end. But uh, he came out of Coastal Carolina, was an all-pro as a fullback, and, and is really just a, an impressive player. And then Josh Meadows, he leads a ministry called Neighborhood Hope, and he's a part of the panel as well. So let's jump right in. Before we do, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. That's healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, and please support them as they support us. Here we go. Man Up Charlotte right here on the Unpacking It podcast. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. It's eye-opening, it's, it's powerful, and, and so we, we don't want to leave just watching that video and not doing anything about it. And, and so 
again, continue to, to seek the Lord in, in, in what ways he wants you uh, to be a part of the solution. And right now, I'm privileged to be joined by these three guys here on, on this panel, and, and we're going to talk about that issue. We're going to talk about fatherhood. We're going to hear a little bit about their own stories and, and their lives growing up. And so let me, let me introduce these guys. We'll start with Jericho Cotri over there. Drafted in 2004 by the New York Jets after playing his college football at NC State. He spent seven seasons with the Jets, three in Pittsburgh, and then two with Carolina. He was also an assistant coach with the Panthers for three seasons. And he and his wife, Mercedes, live in Charlotte. They have five children, three boys, two girls, aged four to 13. And let me ask this, Jericho. So you played for multiple quarterbacks throughout your career. Who would you have the best chemistry with? <laughs> You're trying to set me up, man. That's right. Yeah. Um, no, uh, I had great chemistry with all of the quarterbacks that I played with. Uh, I think as a receiver, uh, you want to establish trust, you know, between yourself and, and the quarterback, you know, so that entails being in the right spot at the right time and making a play when he throws it to you, you know. And so I play with a, a, some great ones, you know, and, and um, I'm definitely thankful for the time that I was able to, uh, you know, line up with those guys. All right. You're not, you're not giving me one. You're not giving me a quarterback. No, so so my, my college quarterback was Philip Rivers. All right, we'll give you Philip so, then. So I, the Lord spoiled me. You know, right. I, you know, I, and I came into the league with Chad Pennington, played with him, uh, had Brett Favre, you know, um, Mark Sanchez, and then I went on to Pittsburgh to play with Ben Roethlisberger, and then I, I finished, I finished my career with Cam Newton. Strong, <laughs> Mark Sanchez. You know, hey, it's all right. You got, you got some good quarterbacks on that list. All right, uh, poor Mark Sanchez. He always has a tough time. Um, all right, let, let's say hello to Mike Tolbert. Mike is a husband and father of three, grew up in Georgia, played college football at Coastal Carolina. He signed with San Diego in 2008 after going undrafted. He played fullback with the Chargers until 2011. Then he signed with the Panthers, playing in Carolina until 2016. He then spent his final season with the Buffalo Bills. He was a three-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro fullback. And so my question for you, Mike, you blocked a lot of linebackers. Who was the toughest? Who was the toughest to get out of the way? Um, I, I like to say none of them. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, I mean, I, I felt you like... You weren't I scared did, of anyone. I, no, I'm never scared. I felt like I did a great job at my job. You know what I mean? Yes, you um, did. One that I would say was uh, like running my head into a brick wall every time is uh, Dante Hightower in uh, New England. He's, I mean, he's built like, like me on the other side of the ball, <laughs> like a tree stomp. So. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, let me introduce you guys to Josh Meadows. And and so Josh and Mike were a part of Man Up last year, and so we're thrilled to have them back. They were on separate panels. This year they're together with Jericho. So Josh is the executive director of Neighborhood Hope, whose mission is to model the love of Jesus in overlooked communities who deserve freedom from negative cycles. They focus on building long-term mentoring relationships. Josh and his wife, Ginny, live in Charlotte with their son, Israel. All right, Josh, you and Mike... You guys like to play golf? Who's got the better game? Bryce, you know, before we get into golf, I was also a college fullback, and I was built like a Prius compared to you. <laughs> but, uh, but golf, um, we've, we played two times together, Joe Moss tournament, and then, and then one other time. But um, 
He's better than me. Don't let, don't let, him, <laughs> all right, all let right. him try to Depends gas me day. up. He's a lot better than me. Depends on the day, but we're, we're both working to be aspiring golfers. So, now, Aren't we all? Aren't we all? All right. So let, we'll, we'll get serious now. And so th- this issue of, of fatherlessness, let, let me read this stat. So according to the 2020 U.S. Census Bureau, 18.3 million children, or one in four, live without a biological step or adoptive father in the home. I mean, it's, it's just, it's heartbreaking. And so as we were talking about, you know, just how much Jesus loves us and, and his grace and the reality that Jesus entered into our mess and he enters into our brokenness. And for, for many, you know, kids growing up without a dad, that, that's some, some major brokenness and, and, and some, some serious uh, scars and wounds from growing up w- without a dad. And so I, I want to hear from you guys. E- each of you share your, your own story of how Jesus entered into your own brokenness and, and what your relationship was, what, what it was like with your dad uh, growing up and the, and the impact that that, that had on, on each of you. So we'll start, uh, we'll start with Jericho. Well, um, a little background about myself. I, I grew up in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. I uh, grew up in the inner city of Birmingham on the north side of it. And, um, you know, grew up amongst, you know, all of the things that you would hear about, um, you know, in the inner city as far as, you know, the crime, drugs, and, you know, all of the things that, that you can uh, potentially get into. Um, my perspective comes from... Um, you know, having both of my parents in the home, uh, my dad uh, battled a lot of things, you know, while while I was growing up. And so uh, his spiritual presence wasn't there. Uh, and so my my relationship with him uh, stems from I see the, the certain certainly the, the positive sides of, you know, being at all of my games, you know, whether that's football or basketball. Uh, but but as far as holding me accountable to the things that you know, scripture calls for him to hold me accountable to. It wasn't there. And so um, that spiritual presence of, uh, of, of him not being there and not holding me accountable left me susceptible to all of those things that I was uh, surrounded with. And, and so I say, you know, I didn't, I didn't hang with the wrong crowd. I didn't get in with the wrong crowd. I, I was the wrong crowd. Uh, I have to confess that. Uh, I encouraged individuals to, you know, do things that, that you know they shouldn't be doing, and and so um, that left me in a position where you know um, I was just I was vulnerable to to walking in my sin, waddling in my sin, and that was that was that was the story of my life. Although you know was I was being celebrated for football and basketball, and so um, the Lord entered into that mess um, that that I created, you know, um, through my mom. Uh, my mom and and how she, you know, kind of handled everything surrounding my surrounding my dad as she was praying for the Lord to save him, as she was praying for the Lord to turn things around um, in his life and and for our family. And before I went off to college, I got to see the Lord bring my dad back into the home, and 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 finally got a chance to see him, you know, um, bring about his spiritual presence in our home, and so. Um, that's, that's how the Lord, Lord met, met me and, and met our family, uh, in, in our mess. 
Oh, that's awesome, man. What a, what a cool story uh, of redemption. And, and so, Mike, why don't you jump in? Um, yeah, first off, I'd think, like to thank y'all for letting me be here and you know, share my, my story, my testimony. Um, uh, a little background about me. I am from right outside Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Douglas County area. Um, I'm a product of a single-parent home. My mom, in essence, was my mother and my father growing up. Um, and th- I think that that was something special because the only way she made it was she kept us in the church, myself and my, my older sister. She kept us in the church. She kept us going. I was, I don't know if y'all seen the Steve Harvey stand-up where he was like, I was in church every night of the week. <laughs> you know, I was, Monday night was Bible study. Tuesday night was youth choir. Wednesday was our adult Bible study that I had to go sit through. You know, Thursday was the regular choir. Saturday morning was choir practice. You know, Sunday, I'm at church from 7 a.m. Uh, uh, Sunday school to 3 p.m. when the dinner in the back is done. Like, I was one of those kids that was always at church. And um, I think the Lord was talking to me, in essence, like, calm down because she's going through something. You know, my mom was, like I said, my mother and my father, but she was working two jobs. She was at every football game, every basketball game, every baseball game, every practice. And I'm like, how is she doing this? But every Sunday at church, I see her on the front row and she's crying, you know, and she would always say, Lord, make a way. You know, and that's that's stuck with me throughout my life is Lord, make a way. So I've always had that background, that that um, that spiritual presence, you know. Even though we play on Sundays, we're always in Bible study on Saturday nights or Friday worship. You know, it's one of those things where um, I lean on that when things aren't going right. You know, I lean on that when when I see my wife or my kids going through something. It's always in the back of my mind, Lord, make a way. You know, and that's that's my story. Amen. And and Josh, for you, as as you look back on on, on growing up. When did Jesus enter your brokenness and, and give you hope in the midst of, of your circumstance? Yeah, so my story is very, you know, similar to Mike's in the fact that um, my parents split up when I was five. When I was eight, my dad moved to Chicago. Um, I was also what I call a drug baby, meaning every time the door was open, my mom drugged me to church. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my mother working two, sometimes three jobs to support us. And, you know, being, being a young man, um, it, it did, you know, help being in the church and having older men be around me and pour into me. And obviously sports was an outlet just like it was for these guys. You know, my, my father, you know, growing up in Chicago, when I'm, you're younger, you don't want to just like talk on the phone all the time. So I missed that presence. And I tell people, it's kind of like walking with a limp, like, you know, I'm still doing some good things, but there's this part of me that's broken because he's not there and it produces, you know, frustration, anger, you know, sadness, or when you are at the game and other kids have both their parents there and, you know, my mom's in the stands, which I'm thankful for, but, you know, you, you, you just, your dad is supposed to speak identity, you know, um, produce love, discipline, all that stuff. And so when you don't have that, there's just kind of a hole. So for me, where Jesus entered in um, was just, you know, being young, just sensing his presence. Uh, I used to I had some mountains around my house, and so I remember laying in the bed at night, and I would just look at the mountains and see shooting stars and just would pray as a kid. Like, you know, it was like God was my dad, you know? Um, Later on, I guess when I got about 30, 
uh, you know, I was 30, I wasn't married yet. And I realized how much of, um, I guess the process that I was in of just trying to be like God and struggles. And I still have these struggles. And so I remember being 30 and, you know, just calling my dad and like, Hey man, like I, I forgive you because I'm 30 and you left when you were 30 and I don't have it figured out just like you didn't. And like, I, like I forgive you. And so I think, you know, for me, it's redemption has been now that I am a father is just, you know, saying, okay, like, let me, let me learn from my dad, you know, like he didn't do everything right. And let me not do what he did, which is a valuable lesson, you know, so I'm going to stick around and be a better father. But also I want to show my son that redemption is possible, you know, with my dad. So I've been working through that and it's not easy. It took, I mean, there was times as a grown man, I'm, you know, calling him angry, like, Hey man, will you just own what you did and stop blaming my mom? Would you just own it? You know? And so like, we've had all those um, conversations. And so we're, we're, you know, working on our relationship, but it's not, it's not easy, but redemption is beautiful. So. Absolutely. No, I appreciate you sharing that. And I, I know all of us have different you know, backgrounds of, of who our dad was to us. And, and then many of us are our dads now. And that, that does affect us in, in how we view life and, and how we, we view that, that role. Uh, but I think that, that key word forgiveness forgiving our, our dads, and then also the, the grace that we need day-to-day as we're, we're trying to be the, the dads that, that, that we're called to be. And, and so, yeah, the encouragement for all of us is despite the brokenness, Jesus redeems, and he gives us the strength and the power to, to keep going. Um, but there's also this, this understanding, as these guys shared, that there are major challenges when you grow up without a dad. And, and so... For, for you guys, and I want to start with Mike, the importance of having other men and, and specifically a mentor entering in so that Jesus used that, that, that man to, to help you along the way when your dad maybe wasn't living up to that role. And so why don't you share your story because I, th- I think it's, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit different than these guys. Like they've actually known their dad. You know, I seen my dad twice in my life before he passed away. Uh, no relationship whatsoever. My mom encouraged that relationship with him. He just didn't want a part of it, you know. So I looked to men outside of the household, you know, to um, to to figure out what a man was. You know, a lot of it was done on my own, but a lot of it was done piecing it from a coach here, or a person there, a pastor here, a mentor here. Um, I t- like I told you guys, my my mentor is somebody, he's a, a sheriff in, um, in Atlanta, Georgia. And he, 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 he snatched me up when I was seven years old. You know, when I was seven years old, it wasn't like he, oh, this guy's going to be a professional football player one day. He's going to take care of me. He saw a little kid that just needed somebody, you know, so we all can be in that position. You know, I, I talked to him, I talked to him on Friday, not this Friday, last Friday, you know, he was, he was at the gym. He was like, Hey son, I need some more, I need some more Panther gear. I'm like, you know, I've been retired for four years now. Like, you want me to go buy it? I don't, I don't get those perks anymore. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a vital thing, man. And it, and it doesn't have to be each one, teach one. You don't have to mentor one kid for the rest of his life. You know, like, cause that kid, like I did, I took a piece from him, 
you know, to help me become a better husband. I took a piece from my chaplain in college to help me become a better man. You know, he performed my wedding to my wife because I still respect him so much for taking me under his wing. I took a lot from one of my teammates who took me under their wing when I went to San Diego and Antonio Cromartie. You know, he's my brother, gave his life to Christ, you know, did some things in his past, gave his life to Christ, and now he is the ultimate husband and family man, you know, and I just look at that and I take a piece from everybody that I love and respect and it created the man I am today. You know, I have three kids in my, my own, nine-year-old, seven-year-old, four-year-old, and I like to say that I learned how to become a father and that person that these, these kids need by not having it. You know what I mean? I knew what I needed growing up. You know, I knew the, the pat on the back that a son gets from his dad saying, I'm proud of you. You know, not for the touchdowns you ran, but for the A you made in math, you know, stuff like that. But it's definitely one of those things where having somebody that you can look to and say, I like how you're doing that. As a kid, you know what I'm saying? You can respect that. So it doesn't matter, kids, black, white, green, or purple. You can be there for that kid. And it's not, it doesn't have to be every day. You know, I don't talk, I didn't talk to him every day, but I was, you know, when I needed something, when I needed somebody to talk to, because my mom was at work, my sister was at work, and I'm at home by myself when I'm 11 years old, and I'm just scared to be at home because I'm 11. You know, I call him up, coach, what's going on? He's like, where you at? I'm at home. I'll be there. And he comes over, don't want to do anything, just sits on the couch and watch Spider-Man with me. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's the time that we have, we have to give away. You know, it's the, the words of encouragement, the, the prayer with, with each other that, um, that I cherish the most out of that relationship. Since he, I say since he's had me since, since I was seven years old. But, I mean, I, I wouldn't be the man I am today without Dexterese. Man, that's, that's in, so inspiring and incredible to hear. And, wow, uh, I love that, man. Gosh, just the, the, the idea of you sitting there calling him and he comes over to watch Spider-Man. Yeah, I just, uh, that hit me. That was, that was cool. Um, all right, so uh, you hear this story from, from Mike uh, about a mentor in his life. And, you know, we, we talk about the, the struggles and challenges of growing up without a dad. And we recognize, like we saw with the spider video, that when, when kids grow up without a dad, uh, many of them, not, not all of them, turn out like Mike. And, and you know, jail, and you saw the, all the other statistics of, of what ends up happening with, with kids that don't have that, that father figure to, to look to. Uh, and it affects society. It, it affects their, their trajectory in life, and, and so that's the negative side of it. The, the, the hope that we want to, to also discuss today is the opportunity, the opportunity for us to step in, to, because Jesus stepped into our mess, that we can step into that, that the, the mess of, of brokenness in our, in our city. And, and so Josh is on the front lines with, with Neighborhood Hope. He, he's doing this day in, day out. He's committed his, his life to impacting kids growing up without a dad. And Josh, I love when you talk about Isaiah 58, a, a, a book in the, the Bible, chapter in the Bible, and the idea that we as, as people that serve and, and give back, there's an opportunity there. 
Why don't you share with the men the promises and the hope that we have based on that, that chapter? So I tell people that God turned my pain into a purpose, meaning that, you know, growing up without a father brought a lot of pain to me. And now my purpose in life stems from my pain because I want to help solve that problem for, you know, for other people. And so I've been working on the east side of Charlotte for the past 10 years in um, vulnerable communities. And people used to come up to me in the, in the beginning. I was this young, naive, you know, young man just pulling up into these neighborhoods thinking like, oh, I'm going to change their life. And people would come up and be like, wow, Josh, like, you're doing great things. And a lot of times what that meant is you're doing really messy stuff and I'm not willing to do it. So kudos to you. <laughs> and it's really hard. You know, I've seen kids go to jail for, for murder. I've seen um, all kinds of stuff. Single moms struggle with four or five kids. And do you guys know how many, how they determine uh, futuristically how they're going to build prisons? They find out how many kids aren't reading on a third grade level and they build prisons. You know, isn't that crazy? And so as people begin to come up to me and say, man, Josh, you're really changing these kids' lives. I realize something. No, they're changing mine. To be able to have a kid who doesn't have a dad and to walk with them and show up and just be present like you were talking about, go to their games, you know, take them out to eat, spend time with them. And the first time they tell you that they love you, it's like, whoa. It's like talking about a Super Bowl. Like, man, this is it. Like, they, they love me. What an honor to be loved by these kids who have never really been shown true love. And so I discovered Isaiah 58 in the Bible. And, and basically the context of the chapter is there was a people, they were, they were trying to fast to get God's attention. Like, hey, let's go without food or water. Let's try to get God's attention. But in the, in, the, in the midst of it, they're striking each other with wicked fists. They're speaking down on each other. And so God was like, hey, this is not how um, I'm going to hear your voice. And Isaiah goes, well, is this a fast that's acceptable to God? And he's like, no. But what is a fast acceptable? And so Isaiah begins to say, it's when you, when you fight for those who are chained up in injustice. It's when you give the shirt off your back. It's when you feed the hungry. It's when you take in somebody who doesn't have shelter, right? It's when you basically fight for those who don't have a voice. He goes, this is how my, your voice is going to be heard on high. And then he shifts to the promises, those of you who go fight for those, those of you who feed, those of you who clothe, those of you who provide shelter, he goes, my light will break forth out of you like the noonday. How many of you, how many of you guys know somebody or need some kind of healing in your life? The Bible says that as you go to those who are broken, healing will come and it will come quickly, whether that be spiritually, sometimes physically, whatever the healing is, God, he makes a promise. He actually, he says that your prayers will be heard. He says, you'll be like a tree along the bank of a river who no matter what the season is, you will thrive. These are the promises that God gives to those who go. And I realized, man, this is what God's been doing to me. As I've been going and really trying to invest and fight for those and, and love these kids and love these families and provide a support system for these single mothers, God is blessing me. To the point that, yeah, we're, we're, we are, you know, mutually beneficially changing lives. But just the, the, the blessing that I've received from this has been, I can't explain it. It's been so good. And so what we come to offer you today is purpose. 
Because every man, no matter who you are, no matter what your profession is or how much money you have or what your status is, when you lay your head on the pillow, you think about purpose. What's what's my purpose? What am I giving away? You know, what am I I living for? And so I realized that, you know, as I'm working in the neighborhoods, hey, yes, I want to provide a support system, but I'm also ushering in purpose for those who volunteer. That right, Kip? I'm ushering in purpose for those who, who join us in this mission to provide a support system through the love of Jesus. And so it is, yes, you're changing lives, but also there are things in you that will not break forth unless we get out of the game and, and figure out who are those broken people in my circle that I can love and support. So that's the opportunity that, that we have when we, when we give our life away and step in and man up. And, and experience those promises. So I, I love that and, and so encouraging. And we're running out of time a little bit, but, but I did want to make sure we talked to, to Jericho uh, about his, him and his wife and, and what an incredible story that, that they have. Because I mentioned earlier, he has five kids. All five are adopted. And, and we talk about this idea of, of fatherlessness and we're talking about kids, you know, a lot of kids growing up with maybe a single parent and, and the dad's not really in the home. Well, think about the number of kids that don't have parents. And think about the number of kids in foster care. Thousands, thousands of kids in foster care. And, and so, Jericho, what I, what I want you to share today is the impact that adoption has had on you and, and the experience that, that you've had uh, welcoming these five children into your family. Well, I'll try to do it as quickly as I can. Uh, this 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 journey has been 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 everything to me. Um, adoption, the topic of adoption, uh, has has transformed my my life, transformed the, the way that I think about everything around me, um, and uh, hopefully I can get through it without you know shedding a tear. Adoption, I can't. Do, this is the way that God has made me a father. Um, he gave me the desire to have a lot of children, <laughs> you know, the same with my wife. And as we were going through the process about, um, you know, expanding our family, we started in the process and my wife didn't feel like that was the process that, that God had for us. And when my wife comes to me with something like that, she's been 100% you know, throughout, we're 17 years of marriage right now. And, and so usually when she comes to me, I just take it in and I'll say, okay, all right, we'll see, you know, and she was pleasantly surprised by my response. And she came back to me after that. What do you think about adoption? And I was like, adoption, I was ignorant of it, right? I didn't know what it was. I didn't know where to start with it. And come to find out I was ignorant about it because I didn't understand the doctrine of adoption, which is, for everyone who repents and believes in Jesus Christ, you become a child of God. You become a, you become a part of God's family. And, and so once I, began, once I began to understand the, adopt, the, the, the doctrine of adoption, that's when I began to understand the horizontal expression that it is. Because you're horizontally expressing a vertical reality if you have repented and believed in Jesus Christ. And so I would not leave you as an orphan, Jesus said, right? And, and so that means a lot. We're talking about stepping in and your presence being there. This is, this is what God does for us, right? We are orphans before we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And he steps in. He, God becomes a father to us through his son, Jesus Christ. 
And once I, you know, coming on my, on my background, from my background, not having a, a spiritual presence there, and when God made me a father in, in my household, and, and I look around and the children are coming in, I'm looking and I'm like, okay, I, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue on what to do. But the grace of God is able to step in in that moment and, and, and bring you into the man that, that God has called for you to be. And, and that's been the beautiful journey for me. Things that I think about now, I didn't even think of before I came into the marriage. You know, how, discipling my kids and, and family worship, all of these things, that was foreign. You know, when I was sitting on the steps in Birmingham, Alabama, that, that was the, the furthest thing from my thoughts. Even, even how to be the husband that I needed to be for my wife, the furthest things from my thoughts. But this is the way that the Lord has transformed my thinking through adoption. Now, I am now a child of God. When I speak to my children now, I can't help but to reflect on how my father views me. You know, when, when, I, when, I, get, when I get a little bit impatient, I say a little bit impatient, that means, uh, you know, impatient. <laughs> And you say, why, why do you keep doing that? Yeah, yeah, dad, why do you keep doing that? <laughs> you know, and, and, and so it, it, it helps me to deal with my kids in a loving and patient manner. Um, and, and, and just to close it up, um, I, I can't see, I can't see it any other way. The way the guy has constructed my family, I can't, I can't see it any other way. You know, my wife, I had the ignorant question um, before we started the process how can I love a child that's, that's not biologically mine? It's ignorant, right? And my wife said, do you love me? Because you're not biologically related to me, right? And, and, and that came from me making biology supreme in my mind, right? And, and so anybody that's, that's maybe going through that process right now, biology is not supreme. It's not supreme. It's not Jew and Gentile have been brought together through, Jew, through Jesus Christ. So move past, you know, the skin color part of it and step in, be obedient to what the Lord is calling you into. And so uh, that's, that's, that's the story for us. That's the story I enjoy speaking about. That's the story that I wear an adopted shirt so, so my kids can be washed over with it so they can understand it. And I love telling the ages of my children. I have a 13-year-old, 10, 10, 8, 4. And they hit a 10-10, they're like, okay, well, what's going on there? My two sons, my oldest two sons are two, day, two months and 20 days apart. Joshua, my middle child, came home before my oldest son, Nicholas, right? But now I get to talk about adoption in light of my spiritual adoption to the people that are asking those questions. And so it, it is a beautiful, beautiful picture, but it's only horizontally expressed, you know, because of the vertical reality that I have you know, being given by God, by his grace. It's awesome. Give it up. Man, I, yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged. I hope you guys are. And, and that's all the time we have with these three guys, but, but three unique stories and perspectives. And I hope that all of us will, will continue again to ask God, how do I respond to this? What does this mean for, for me in my life? Depending on the stage of life, you look around the room, different stages. Some are dead, some are not. Some are married, some are not. Some are empty nesters. 
What is the role that we can play in, in impacting lives and then experiencing the promises and the blessings that come from that and experiencing an understanding of God's adoption of us. And so I love what Jericho was saying and, and that then empowers us and enables us to, to share that love with others in, in, different, in different ways. And so each of us can seek the Lord for what that, that means for us. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.